Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Yes, well, I was in my nappies when I started pastoring. Yeah. Um, I've been actually a part of this movement for, since 1981, so 42 years now. And, uh, and I started running youth groups, oh, life groups when I was 15, because God just did something in my heart. And, uh, you know, it's just exciting. And I love to talk about going to your neighbour. I love to talk about going and reaching the lost. I, I love it. I wish that I was preaching on reaching the lost, but I'm preaching on go to your neighbour today. And, uh, and there's so much, there was so much to say that I just, my, my brain just went into overload because, you know, <laughs> there's so many things over the years of, that you, you, when you have a heart for, for people that you end up doing. And, and my brain was just in overload. As I get older and older, I think, man, what are we going to share with these people? I just want to hit the mark. So, so bear with me. I'm transitioning into glasses now, which means it's pretty new to me. Hey, that's pretty amazing because I put these on. I can see what is going on here, but I won't be able to see you. So uh, I can see it's just a bit foggy. So, uh, But uh, just a bit of an update. Um, yeah, my name's Marshall and I'm married with one wife and two children. And uh, you say that when you're overseas, when you're, when you're in places like Kenya and stuff, because I guess some of them have more than one wife over there. But, uh, but uh, I have one grandchild and another one. And the latest update since I was here, I was here a year ago. For those of you, did anyone, does anyone remember a year ago when I was here? <laughs> I went to a leaders thing, um, pastors conference a few months ago, a month and a half ago, and I was trying to explain to people who I was because nobody could remember me. So I thought, gee, I made an impact on their church. <laughs> and uh, but a bit of an update: my son, uh, my daughter's having a baby in November, a second baby, and uh, my son is getting married next month. So uh, it's pretty exciting being me and my wife Narelle, and uh, so we love being a grandparent. So go to your neighbour, you know. Uh, as was said this morning just a second ago, that we've had several topics, but I believe that, you know, we need to go to our neighbour. We really need to go to our neighbour. And I hope that I explain it a little bit this morning so that you can actually do that. In Mark 16, verse 15, it says, Go into all the world, and this is Jesus speaking, and preach the gospel to all creation. You see, you and I, you know, as the church, we're called to go into the world and to shine our light, to be salt and light to the world to make a difference. I've been a part of this church for so long and, you know, it just, I just love church. I love being at church. I love going to church. I work for the church one day a week and then the rest of the time I'm, I'm working a, a normal job. I guess you could call it a normal job. And, but I just love being in a room with church people. I love being out there in the world and mixing with people, but I look forward to Sundays because I just want to honour Jesus. I just want to make others honour Jesus. I want to help others honour Jesus also. And I hope this morning that I can encourage you. As I laid in bed this morning, I just thought, God, what is it that you really want me to do this morning? And he said, encourage the people. Just encourage the people. I don't have a lot of gifts in my life, but I, 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 I can tell you that my gift is to encourage people and to love on people. That's probably, if you were to sum it up, that would be about me. I can do other stuff, but my main gift is loving on people and encouraging them. I hope that you, know, you hear my heart this morning. The Bible says that uh, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. In other words, shine your light, that Jesus is the light of the world. Everywhere Jesus went, 
He changed people. Everywhere Jesus went, His light would change people. He couldn't help but change people. I went to that conference um, a, a month and a half ago and the biggest revelation I got was, because we were just singing about a God of revival, pour it out, pour it. You know, you're a God of the city, whatever the words are. I'm not very good at remembering words. But, but I was thinking that song. Sometimes to think of revival in your city can be pretty big, can't it? It can be hard to, con- hard to imagine. Lord, oh God, what does that look like? But at the conference, what I got is this revelation that if I draw a circle around myself, and the pastor said that, the preacher said that, just draw, just imagine drawing, and you can do this, okay? Just imagine it. I'm a picture person, okay? Just imagine it, all right? Drawing a picture, I mean a, a circle around yourself and saying to God, God, everything within that circle, revive it. Fill it up, Lord. Fill it up till it overflows. Fill it up. Revive me, Jesus. That's all you've got to do. If there's nothing else that you hear this morning, all you've got to do is imagine drawing a a circle around yourself and saying, God, fill this up, Lord. Fill it till it overflows, Lord. Lord, I want to be everything that you want me to be, God. I don't care about anything else except you and what's in this circle. And then when I fill up, then you're able to overflow and to touch other people naturally. It's not something that's from your head, it's from your heart. It's saying, God, fill this heart up till I'm overflowing. Fill this heart up so I can go to my neighbour, so that I can go do what you want me to do. Because everywhere that Jesus went, that's what happened. Because He was full of God, because He was God. And now that if you're a believer in this place, now you've got God living inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and He shall quicken your mortal body. And then you will overflow. You see, miracles followed wherever Jesus went because He had compassion on people. You know, the wedding ran out of wine. Well, God felt sorry for the guy that was hosting it. It was a shame for them. Then all of a sudden, boom, He turned the water into wine. The blind man was begging, blind Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus went out of His way and He, and he, and he touched the man's eyes and boom, He was healed. The woman with the issue of blood. You see, wherever Jesus went, the light shined. And wherever He went, they were His neighbours. But I'll get on to that in a minute. When there was no money for the, for the disciples to pay the temple tax, He says, go, go down and catch a fish. Boom! I'm spitting everywhere here. Boom! All of a sudden, there was a coin inside that fish's mouth and they were able to pay their taxes. Jairus' daughter was dead. Jesus said... Go back and she'll be healed. She'll be better. Boom. Boom. Everywhere Jesus went, the light shined. Boom. The demon-possessed man, bound up. Well, couldn't be bound up, actually. Broke the chains even. They couldn't even hold him down. He was just out of control, full of demons. Jesus says, in the name of Jesus. You know, he didn't say in the name of Jesus. He just said, (laughs) in the name of, you know, Jesus. (laughs) You get what I'm saying. I say this because God has empowered you and I now to be that, the hands, the feet and the mouth of Jesus, to be that love, to be that compassion. It says in Matthew 5, 14 to 15, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. This is amazing news. 
you know, this, Jesus is saying that that light in you reveals things. It, it exposes evil. It can guide us. It can guide others. It shows a way for us to guide the lost and the confused. Jesus' light wants to shine in through you into your place, into your, into your life firstly. Firstly, He wants to shine in you. You need to invite Him in afresh. Say, God, everything within me, God. God, fill me. I want revival inside of me. And friend, I want revival inside of me. I, I pray, I've been praying that prayer recently. Lord, revive me first. Revive me first, Lord. Lord, I know I'm not perfect. I know I think the wrong things. I know that when I'm driving, I'm not perfect. I know that I can get angry sometimes. But God, rev- in spite of all that, Lord, revive me. Let Your love shine in me. Change me, God, so that I can be a light to the world so that I can be a light in my relationships, in my friendships, in my workplace, you know, in my city, in my street, to my neighbours. Even when you don't feel like it, you can make a difference when Jesus' light isn't shining brightly in you. You may not even feel like you're making a difference. You know, and often you won't feel like you're making a difference because you're sowing seeds and you don't see the, you don't see the fruit straight away. But God wants to use you and He wants to flow through you. He wants you to go, he wants you to, go to your neighbour. There's this great story in the Bible and it's in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. And on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he said to Jesus, huh, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, and this is about the Good Samaritan. It's a really well-known parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. The priest, for goodness sake. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him pass by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers, Jesus said. The expert of the law replied, the man who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So the question is, who is your neighbour? Who is your neighbour today? I have two points and then I'm going to wrap up with three points. So I guess that's five points. (laughs) But let's just start with two points because I don't want you to lose interest. (laughs) Your neighbour is anybody. Your neighbour is anybody, any needy person that God brings into your life. Any person, whether from a different race or a different religion, a different class, a different education or has different values. Anybody, in other words, 
Your neighbour is everybody in the world that exists today. But more importantly, anybody that God brings into your life that is in need. You know, I walked, I came to Sydney yesterday. My friend Jason and I came to Sydney. And uh, I haven't been in Sydney City since I was 19. So that's 37 years ago. I haven't been in the city of, you know, in the city centre. And, uh, and I was just amazed, you know, like, whoa, whoa, a lot of buildings here. <laughs> you know, I'm from the country. I, <laughs> I lived in Tasmania for 22 years, actually. So it was a lot of buildings. Yeah, but uh, that's true. I did. I lived in Tasmania for 22 years. But... Um, <laughs> but as I walked down the street, it was like walking down the streets of, you know, like, I saw beggars and people living. We got there really early, like, before the shops opened. And there were so many people living on mattresses on the, on the, in the streets. It was amazing. You know, they're my neighbour. And I remember I was down at, we went across to Manly because I jumped on the ferry. I thought, oh, let's go see Manly. So I went over to Manly, looked at the harbour, pretty amazing. But um, there was this other lady that was, she was begging and, uh, not begging, she was just sitting there with a cup with her, her, her story. And I, I, I didn't give her money, but I didn't have any change on me, but I just smiled at her. I said, how you going? She said, good. I said, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? She said, yeah, it is a beautiful day. And I said, oh, well, I hope you're having a good one. And I just kept going, of course. But I, I imparted to her some care and some love. I didn't have money to give her, but I just let her know, hey, it's great to see you. You know, that's my neighbour. And we see opportunities all the time. You know, um, actually, this week my daughter texted me later in this week and I just want to read a text to you that she got. When we lived in Tasmania, we were pastors down there. And um, my kids went to a Christian school and in that school was a child that was, you know, about their age and from little tackers right up to when they went through high school. And, and this young fella, he was, his dad was a bikey, um, rode for a bike gang down there, Devil's Henchman, and, um, and his mum was not, of course, living with the father. It was really dysfunctional. It was really like she was a drug addict and um, just a really broken person. And so we used to just show them, show this young fella, you know, love because we used to help him get to school because his dad couldn't very often get him to school or to the school bus. So we'd pick him up and, and make sure that he was all right. And then, and eventually, you know, we would go up to, I'd go up to his dad's place, the bikey, and, and have chats to him. And he was a pretty hard man. And, uh, but this young fella, he was just a broken young fellow. And you wouldn't think anything you know I haven't heard from him for years but we loved on him for years and eventually started taking him to kids church and then to church as he got a bit older and to youth group you know and there wasn't a lot of change he didn't see any change in his behavior or anything and uh, anyway so I, I knew that he'd gone pretty feral as uh, time went by as he grew up and he says to my, my daughter because my daughter just got a random text from him my life has been difficult but I manage Dad's got the lingering smell of death. I'm actually changed in so many ways. And then he goes into details of friends and so forth. How he's well-travelled. He's got to have surgery on a whole heap of different things because he's in his you know, mid-twenties now. And then he says, I realise my father was wrong in so many ways. So we clash heaps. He is racist and sexist 
and all of the above. You know how he was. He says, I, I'm still gay, ha-ha. And uh, travelling around, he loves travelling. And then he just writes at the end of it, he just puts a little tag. I would like you to know, since it's been so long, did your mum beat her illness? My wife had cancer. I always loved your family, hence why I ask. You all seen a light in me that not many people did. Your family changed my perspective on how to treat people and how to live in a little more harmony with life. And then my daughter must have texted him back. <laughs> and, uh, and he writes another text. And he says, there is a God. Your mum won a very aggressive victory against that disease. I'm so glad. And he says to Tegan, my daughter, no, Tegan, your family made more than an impact. So my daughter must have been talking about stuff. In life, I am still a Christian because of your family. I'm saved because I was properly introduced to Jesus and you all accepted me. And then he goes on to what do you do for work, etc. I don't, you know, like, he's a work in progress. He's a work in progress. And seeds have been sown and God will continue to do a work and, you know, and, and to cleanse him and to help him get on the way. But I believe that we have the ability to talk to anybody, no matter what situation. Don't be afraid. You know, this young fella is, you know, he's broken. He's, his dad was, you know, broken. His, his mum was a drug addict. And now he finds himself, he, he, you know, he's, he's, he's gay, but yet he's still looking for Jesus. And he, and he reached out to my daughter and just wanted to, to chat to her. You know, and he's still talking to God miraculously. And God loves that because God knows where his heart's at. And God knows how to, how to help him and to get beside him. And our neighbours are like that. So we learn from this that we're also called to do something practical, to serve, to love in action. You know, it's a choice that we make. We're not called to love in sentiment and goodwill because the priest and the Levite, listen to this, the priest and the Levite, you know, the guys that were walking down, the first two guys that walked down that ignored the dude on the side of the road would have most likely felt bad for that guy, hey, if you think about it, and probably felt compassion and perhaps even said a silent prayer for the stranger quietly. Have you found yourself doing that sometimes when you're walking down the street and you see a street person there or somebody broken? But they didn't actually do anything to help him. And that's where God wants us to go to our neighbour because it was too inconvenient and it was too dangerous because if, if they had stopped, then they may have been mugged. It would have cost them time or perhaps money or even their reputation because they were these religious people. They, and more than likely, they would have had to do the ceremonial cleansing again so they could go back into the temple and they didn't want to do that. So we're not called just to be sentimental and just feel compassion, but to act and do something real and physical to help those around us. Now, being a neighbour is being practical in love and action. We're called to go to our neighbour. Have you ever seen the movie uh, The Man Called Otto? Anyone see that? That's a beautiful movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a beautiful movie. You'll cry, but it's a beautiful... I cry. I cry. I, I'm a cryer when I watch movies. 
I'm a crier when I cry. I'm a crier all the time. I'm a terrible crier. I was crying this morning. I woke up crying as I started to think about you guys. Anyway, it's not because you're sad. Or maybe it was. I don't know. (laughs) But in that movie, you know, Otto is a really grumpy old man. I won't give it all away. But a neighbour moves in and he can't stand neighbours. He can't stand new people. He just can't stand. But she just knocks on his door, continually inquiring about life, inquiring about what she can do, inquiring if she can give, you know, bringing meals over. And can I have your help? She was being a real neighbour. It's a real eye-opener. You see, people, John, John C. Maxwell says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we so often just want to give them all the information of, that's on our heart and in our mind about, you know, you need to receive Jesus, but we just need to love them and they'll pick it up. See, Christianity, I said this last time, is caught more than it's taught. Your actions speak louder than your words. It's not how high you jump, it's how straight you walk after you land. You know, when I lived in Tasmania, because I grew up in Brisbane, spent 22 years there, and then went to Tassie to be a youth pastor in a, in a new church, an INC church. And, um, and then we became pastors in Hobart. We were youth pastors for eight years in Launceston. Then we went down to Hobart and spent 14 years down there. But I had a young family, and my son was four years old, and uh, his name's Isaac, plays drums. And in 2001, we, we lived next to this lady, and her name was, well, I'll call her Bree wasn't her name, but Brie. And uh, she just moved in and she had two young kids and so forth and she was a single mum and um, she was actually in a bad situation with bikie gangs in, in another state and so she was hiding from them. But we didn't know that at the time. And uh, my son looked at Brie and she had two other friends there and uh, my son said to he was four years old, Isaac looked at uh, Brie and said, Brie... He's four years old. You've just got to come to church with us in the morning. Just met her that night. And her and her two friends that night, they all met in the psych ward in Hobart. And they were shooting up that night. And, uh, and they did. They had their session. But sure enough, in the morning, they were dressed up as much as they could and rocked up at our doorstep and came to church. And we took them to church. And they got saved. And, my, and it started with just an invitation. And, um, and one of the ladies, Vanessa, she had serious, you know, like depression and mental health issues and drug addiction. And she had kids, two young girls, and she was a um, single mum. You know, for the last two decades, has struggled. But she stayed in the church. She stayed in this environment. She stayed with people, even when she was depressed. And people would go around and love on her and bring her back. My mother-in-law especially would pray with her. 20 years later, her daughter now is married to a really fine young man in the church. And they have a little, a little child. And they're youth pastors now. You know, my friend Vanessa, she still struggles, but she's got the victory, hey. She's got the victory. So my question is, what if a major breakthrough in your world is just about to walk? It's just about, is, what if a major breakthrough in your world is if you just walk next door? Walk a few steps to your workmate. 
in obedience to the Heavenly Father and just to love on them? What if your mate you've been praying for for the last umpteen years and there was a breakthrough of a miracle in their life because they're just a miracle waiting to happen? What if your work colleague got saved? What if the family member or your neighbours or that sick person in your family got changed just because you went there and you treated them with love and respect like a neighbour? I just want to tell you a story. I don't suppose you would have heard of a name called Edward Kimball. To most people, he's a nobody. He lived in the mid-1800s in Chicago and was a Sunday school teacher, talking about Sunday school. Yeah, woo. I must be on point. Hey. He had the feeling that he wasn't getting very far with his Sunday school class as they were going in. And their faith, te- you know, their faith tended to waver and they'd fall asleep during his teaching. <laughs> so it was a bit of a surprise you know, to him that, you know, well, it wasn't. So one Saturday afternoon, he really felt compelled to go out and visit each of the young men and ask each of them if they would make a decision to follow Jesus. When he got to one of the Sunday school members, a man called Dwight, he went to where he was working at the back of a shoe shop and spoke to him for five minutes or so, really trying to make the young man see he needed to make a decision to follow Jesus. But when Kimball left, he thought he had botched the job. Unbeknown to Kimball, that young man, Dwight Lehman Moody, or D.L. Moody, left that day a new person and eventually he became the most prominent evangelist in America. Over the course of his preaching career, there were one million people who responded to his preaching, and that's without internet or TV, and came to faith in Jesus. He started the Moody Bible Institute, which has sent out tens of thousands of missionaries over the years. Now that would be absolutely spectacular in itself, but listen to this. In 1873, Moody arrived in England for a series of crusades. Moody visited a chapel pastored by a scholarly man called F.B. Meyer, who came to a place of greater assurance in his faith through Moody's preaching. At Moody's invitation, Meyer did a preaching tour in America. At one meeting, Meyer's preaching changed the life of a young minister named J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman proceeded to become a powerful travelling evangelist in the early 1900s. Chapman recruited a baseball player who was a young Christian named Billy Sunday. Under Chapman's eye, Sunday became one of the most spectacular evangelists in American history. Billy Sunday did a preaching tour in North Carolina, which produced a group of converts who continued praying for revival. Remember that circle? In 1934, they organised a citywide crusade. And one of the students at the Central High School named Billy Graham gave his heart to Jesus. Billy Graham became an evangelist and has preached to more people than any other man who has lived. My old pastor, Clark Taylor, who started this movement, came to faith in Jesus in a crusade Billy Graham did here in Australia. And it all stems back to a Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, who one Saturday afternoon did what he felt God was wanting him to do and went for a walk. Several thousand steps is roughly the distance you travel from sunrise to sunset each and every day of your life. 
Just like this story, what is changing someone's eternity was as simple as taking a walk. So three things I want to leave with you just very quickly as I summarise today. Realise your neighbour is anybody God brings into your life. Number two, allow your heart to be broken. Does your heart break for what God's heart is broken for? And number three, be interruptible, be practical and authentic. Allow your life to slow down so that you can talk to people. When you're going past those beggars, say hello to them. You never know, you might get to open up a conversation. Because when you do this, it says in John 13, 35, in the Amplified Version, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. John Wesley said, we live for one purpose, to see souls saved. And it's as simple as that. And the way you do that is by going to our neighbour. Go to your neighbour today. I could tell you literally a hundred stories, but they've told me I'm three minutes over already. Can we pray? Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you want to encourage every single one of us, Lord, to be so full of you that we would overflow and that we would be so inspired to walk over to our neighbour, to walk over to that person, to smile at that person, to love on that person, Lord, to, to help that person, Lord, to witness to that person or to be a witness to that person. Father, we love you. And Father, we love our neighbours. So Lord, I just pray, God, that this church, God, Lord, as we go through this series, Father God, that we would have the courage to go to talk to somebody, even in this room, Father, today, and to encourage them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just while every eye is closed and every head is bowed. You know, the best thing that I did, that I've done in my life, is I received Jesus as my personal Lord and Saviour. Because Jesus died for my sins and I was a sinner and I needed a Saviour. And He wants to be my Heavenly Father. He wants to be my Saviour. He wants to be my friend. And there might be somebody here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God. You, don't know, you didn't know that you could be forgiven. You didn't know that your purpose in life is to have a relationship with a loving God. But today, friend, as every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. Would you come to Jesus today and let Him in? Would you receive Him? Would you come to Him and say, God, I give you permission to come into my life, to be the Lord of my life. I know I've been far away from you, but God, I need you. Would you do that today? And if you're like that and you're in this place today, while every eye is closed, would you just raise your hand right now and say, yes, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Saviour? Would you raise your hand right now? Would you come to Jesus? Would you say, yes, I need a Saviour? Yes, I need, I, I need a loving God to forgive me of my sins. I want to have a relationship with an with, with a eternal God. Would you say yes to Jesus? Is there anybody that wants to say yes to Jesus? Can we just say this prayer together? Perhaps you're a bit shy, but if we say this prayer together, can you just say this out loud and in your heart, mean it from your heart, say, Dear Jesus, I invite you today to come into my life, to be my Lord and Saviour. 
Thank you for dying for me and thank you for giving for forgiving me. I receive you as my Lord. Amen.